I'm Alyssa. I'm not Alyssa. And this is 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. We didn't screw up the editing. We are missing EB1 tonight. She couldn't make it and we miss her and we, um, we're sure she'll be back soon. But it's just the two of us tonight. So um, there's something to look forward to there. Alyssa's coming back. Yay. Yay. Okay. So we wanted to start off tonight with some local news that's actually kind of upsetting and surprised the three of us when we were texting and talking about it. So there's a problem in this country, and I'll generalize, about untested rape kits. And I was kind of curious, like, well, what's our rate in Montgomery County? I would assume our rate's super low for untested rape kits. So I was very wrong. Um, In the state of Maryland, there are about 3,000 untested rape kits. And as of this, all this data is January 1st, 2017. So maybe there's been a fantastic... Change in a year. Um, <laughs> but as of January 1st, 2017, there were about 3,000 untested rape kits in the state of Maryland. 1,165 of them are in Montgomery County. 1,100, for perspective, 871 are reported by the Baltimore Police Department. So I didn't go through this whole, through this whole the list. Crackerjack Baltimore <laughs> Police Department. <laughs> the police Department. <laughs> Um, and it goes through this whole list, but it appears, just look, glancing at it, that we have the most in the state. Baltimore is second. And there was somebody that, and Howard County, how, how, the Howard County Police Department has 503. So, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. I wonder who we can call to ask about this. Yeah. This is definitely something that, as we're at our happy hours and the lovely people who are running for county council show up, and this is definitely something we should ask about. Yeah. And maybe we can get a, not in a, like, what what are you doing about this? Yeah. Just a, okay, so who do we, like, what can we do? Because that's, that's high. That seems, and I, and I. They don't give any reason. No, it's a it's, it's a not table. like it's yeah, it's not it's like it's, you know time it and like time that they've had it. It doesn't really give you anything. It's just round numbers. And they do separate it by untested versus anonymous. And there's a footnote here that says anonymous kits refer to SAEK is collected from victims who do not wish to participate in the criminal justice system. So they they do separate that out. So the excuse the excuse can't be well these ladies didn't want right. want us to test because those are separate numbers. Um, but I was I was sad about this, frankly. Like I thought, you know, we lived in a place that would be a little better about this. So it's definitely something to keep in mind and I don't know if you run into anybody running for office yeah ask them yeah I definitely want to know and I wonder what the difference is between like like the people who don't we need yeah we need to ask a lot more questions because I wonder if the people who don't want to participate if that includes people who um have settled out of court you know what I mean yeah like did the rape kit, but then settled out of court. Like, I wonder what that... Yeah, I'm looking for that footnote again. Um, although, I guess, why wouldn't you just test it? You would still... 
if they did it in the first place, they would still need it. It says something under federal law, the law number to be eligible for funding under the Violence Against Women Act of 2005. States must provide forensic examinations to victims free of charge, regardless of whether the victim wishes to pursue criminal charges. All Maryland jurisdictions and the Maryland State Police have complied with the federal mandate. Oh, I think that's I think there are some states where they charge you for your rape kit. Like if you go to the hospital after you're raped, as as they tell you, you know, the checklist of things to do after you're raped, don't shower, don't change your clothes, all those things we are supposed to remember. Um, I think there are some states that charge you for that hospital visit. Ay, ay, ay. Yep. This place is. Let's go to, Nor- like, why aren't the Norwegians coming to our country? <laughs> <laughs> why aren't they? Why aren't they? Because we're the shithole country. Um, yeah, so. So we'll look into that. Yeah. And come back with something. Yeah, but that was just something we discovered tonight is Thursday, January 18th. We discovered it on Tuesday, January 16th, and we were like, we didn't know about it. I wonder if other people know about it. Yeah. So. All right. In the in the in the same sexual assault vein. Yuck. <laughs> and that's what we'll call it. There was a interesting piece by a publication that I had never heard of before by the name of Babe about Aziz Ansari and a woman who went on a a date with him that turned into the worst night of her life. And I'm going to preface this by, I have, like, I know who Aziz Ansari is. Mm -hmm. Like, I, like, I know, oh, oh, that guy. Yeah. Never seen anything he's done. Okay. Never, like. Like, you don't love Aziz Ansari. No, I, like, I, like, when I'm reading all of these hot takes on this article and people are like, oh, he says he's a feminist comedian. I was like, oh, I don't, I didn't know that. Like, I just know who he is. Yeah. I've seen, like, memes from him from Community or Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. I don't <laughs> To prove my point. Yeah. Yeah, Parks and Rec. And actually, the, the thing that made me sad is as an Aziz Ansari fan yeah. is that I watch Master of None mm-hmm. on Netflix and... He has elevated women and women of color and queer women yeah. and like into these roles and it I know it I know it shouldn't be this way, but when I think of somebody one way, it's so much more disappointing to me. And yeah. I know that's not good or right, like yeah. that I don't have as much anger, but I, I tweeted this out the other day, like if I could like sing a Taylor Swift just look what you made me do to yeah. all the men who have made me hate them when I want yeah. to love them. It's really annoying. <laughs> like, stop making me hate you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I just, and I, and I don't, I read it. I read the article and I've read so many articles about it. And my initial reaction is probably still the same but I understand the other perspectives. Like, I think I think this woman is a victim. Yeah. I think she had an awful time and she felt as bad as she describes. Like, I think that's that. And as someone who's been in a similar situation several times, like, that doesn't mean that my situation... 
Like the fact that I'm in, was in that situation, that doesn't mean that I can tell this girl how she's supposed to feel. Right. Like that's the, and I think some of the articles were trying to go that route. Well, like this happens to all of us, honey. Like it's not, it's nothing. And it's like, no, it is something. Yeah. Personally, I don't think he should be labeled a criminal and be sent to jail. No, no. I don't think what he did was illegal. I agree. But we, we have to have this uncomfortable conversation all the while recognizing this woman is a victim. She had an awful time. She did not feel like what happened was consensual. And whatever her nonverbal cues are, yeah, cues were, doesn't mean that there was an infer- affirmative consent and doesn't mean that he has fault. Right. Right. Well, well, don't you think that part of it, for me, this, and we've talked, we've been texting about that person. For me, the reason these two stories made me so uncomfortable and so mad and so torn up inside about how I should feel about them is because I've been in those situations. So then it forces you to look in the mirror and be like, this girl I'm feeling judgmental about while I'm reading this story, this woman I'm feeling judgmental about, that's me. Have I been sexually assaulted and I just didn't want to admit it to myself? After those situations for me personally, yeah. my brain was, I put myself there. Yeah. And this story, these two stories, and the reactions to these two stories made me think, wait, did I put myself there? I put myself there in the room, but did I put myself into the... And it's like causing me to have to open up. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, when you're... If, yeah. you're, if you've been a single woman for any amount of time, yeah. when you're sexually active... You push some of this shit down, man. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna, and it's and it's interesting because one of the one of the takes I read was by a woman. She's she's in her thirties, and this woman Grace in the Aziz Ansari, and I think that a woman in Cat Person, she was nineteen. Yeah, she, she was younger. She yeah. couldn't she couldn't legally drink. So the but the guy the, was also younger in the story, wasn't he? No, he was in thirty. He was thirty-four. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Because he made fun of her. That's right. Yeah, douche. Um, oh, yeah. I have douche. more of a visceral reaction to cat person, yeah. but um, but this woman whose whose take I was reading, she was coming at it from. She was a black woman in her thirties, mm-hmm. and she had to um, leave college because she was raped and the trauma and all that. Like just. She needed to leave college. Yeah. And she was talking about how her first reaction was, so what? Like, tough it up. Like, we've all, you know. And then she was kind of analyzing her reaction, like, as a, speaking of herself as a black woman. But also she brought, and I'm not going to paraphrase that because I'm not a black woman and I don't want to, I don't want to step on that. Like, that's her story to tell. But what resonated with me was how she brought age into it. Yeah. How she's 30-something now, and when that happened to her, she was 18 or 19. Yeah. And, like, even though she's 30-something now, and she she maybe was, like, oh, tough. Like, she's tougher. Like, did that make her tough? Like, did that put her through trauma? Yeah. And I was also thinking about, like, my situations that I was in, the, the two that I can think of. One, I was in high school. Yeah. And the other, I was... I don't know, the sophomore or junior in college, but I was much younger where I didn't feel empowered to be to be like, no. Yeah. I don't like this. Like, no. Like, I was just like, yeah. Like, I gave nonverbal cues 
were they noticeable nonverbal cues? I can tell myself, no, they weren't. It still doesn't make it okay. But now, if I was a single 35-year-old woman, I would be like, get the fuck off me. Like, what do you do? You know? And it, like, it's, we need to teach young girls to have that confidence to just be like, no, I'm not having a good time. No, I don't like that you're putting my your fingers in my mouth. Yeah. Like I don't like this isn't Yeah. So Yeah, it, yeah. Pornography yeah. is not sexual education. I'm not Yeah. Fine. Porn you watch porn and you jerk like your thing. As long as yeah. no one's being hurt and whatever. Yeah. But it's not sex education and our sex education fails in so many ways because it's only about the possibility of getting pregnant or getting a disease. And those are very important. You have to teach about correct, those. and you have to teach about how to prevent them. You have to teach about solution. I mean, like, totally so important, and not just don't do it. Right, other methods yes. in case you want to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but also, it's amazing that we persist in having sex after some of those first high school experiences, yeah. where you're like, "This is what it is. Like, this yeah. is what people are warning me Very against ex- because yeah. it's so great. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and." And I think there's a difference, obviously, in high school between, like, a clumsy dude who also doesn't know what he's doing versus somebody who has been educated by watching porn and thinks he knows what he's doing. But also there's something about young women. And, like, I I mean, I'm going to be – I mean, like, my mom was very open with us about talking about sex and about we know it's going to happen. Please Mm -hmm. make sure you wear a condom. I mean, like, we had – we knew that that was a possibility – but, like, no one in my life beyond, like, I don't know, a, a, a TV show I wasn't supposed to watch, maybe. I don't know. Like, no one in my life was like, this is your clitoris. <laughs> this is where it is. It's a bundle of nerves. You know what feels good? When someone touches this. You know what isn't nice? When someone chokes you, physically chokes you with their dick. Like, those things were not told to me explicitly, Jenny Rose. <laughs> I had to learn that shit myself. So I was a biology major, which is where <laughs> Where most of mine came from. One of my college friends' favorite stories about me, favorite stories, is that I did not know that a penis had a visible hole. Oh. Because I went to, and this is no excuse, because I had a very good Catholic education that included sex ed beyond abs- beyond abstinence. Good. That's we just great. had diagrams and not actual pictures. Yeah. Because I think some of the nuns would have had a heart attack. <laughs> but I hadn't seen one. Yeah. So we were reading like this article about how to whatever. And it said something about do this to the hole. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, it ha- what? It has a hole. And my two friends looked at each other and looked at me and then looked at each other. And they're like, you're a biology major. I was like, <laughs> I'm in bio one. <laughs> we didn't learn about pee yet. We didn't know it yet. <laughs> we didn't get there. Still on mitochondria. Um, so... Different kind of reproduction. Yeah. (laughs) My toes just split. (laughs) Um, But that's important. That kind of like anatomy is important. And I I am of the mind, and I'm not a parent, so maybe this will change when I am a parent, but I'm of the mind that children should know anatomy. Yeah. Children should know anatomy. It should not just be. And beyond vagina and penis. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But it should not just be down there. Yeah. Or my, no, no special place. What, you know. Yeah. It. So all of this, like, we have to start young and 
it, it's got to be a societal change. Yeah. Girls have to be empowered to have confidence and to have body autonomy and to be taught, like, it's perfectly fine for you to say, I don't like that. Yeah. Because for me, when I was in high school, it was, I mean, it's my ex-boyfriend. He's, not, he's a different guy than who I'm married to, but we dated for a long time. Yeah. We, if I had stayed where I lived, we probably would have gotten married. Like, yeah. no. A great guy where if he knew how uncomfortable I was, he would have been horrified. Yeah. And he actually asked me, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. Because in my mind, it was not okay for me to tell him I was uncomfortable. Yeah. 17-year-old girls should know it's totally fine for you to yeah. say that. Like, And 17-year-old <laughs> boys should hear from a lot of people, including LeBron James and... Yes. Steph Curry and Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger and Ryan Gosling and everybody <laughs> that girls think it's hot when you know how to make them feel good. Yeah, and when you listen to them, when you care if they're having a good time, yeah. when you care if they feel comfortable at every step, when you care if they orgasm. Yeah. Boys should hear that from their heroes. It is not just about buying a girl flowers, yeah. taking her out in a fast car, doing all these things. It's about listening to her. It's about listening to her ideas when you're sitting at the dinner table. And it's about listening to her in the bedroom Yeah, about her needs. And we're talking about this, obviously, from cisgender, yeah, that's... female point of view. And I'm sure that there are many nuances within the, the entire spectrum of gender and sexual orientation that we're not covering. There but... was an article I did not read because I didn't get a chance to read it today. But it was written by a gay man about silly straight people and like 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 in the gay community what i got from the headline was that things are very different and the straight cisgender community seems very far behind mm -hmm. um which i'll read it but i just didn't get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah like to your point like it's just like it, it's so yeah i'm not i don't I, i'm sorry she went through that Me i'm too. sorry we've all gone through that Me like too. i i don't want i don't want your daughter to go through no. that i don't want my future daughter to go like it, it's, it's all like you, and you need to be with someone that you're comfortable. The other part is you need to be with someone that you're comfortable saying, I don't like this. Yeah. Like, I don't like if, like, if you're afraid you say that and he's going to hurt you or he's not going to listen to you, they need to understand. Or he's not going to like you. Or anymore. he's not going to like you anymore. Don't be near that person. Yeah. Like, I, I just remember with some boyfriends, like, I was terrified, like, if I did something embarrassing, like, they would hate me forever. Yeah. The, the shit that happens in front of my husband now. Yeah. It's just, and he laughs. Yeah. And, like, he does. Well, I've given birth in front of my husband. Yeah. Like, like, it's and, not, it's not great. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not a great look. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's just, but, the, but that's. But he's gross, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Find somebody to be gross. With. Yeah, and that, that's but right. we need to have a societal change to help these our girls know. Like you can stand up for yourself. Yeah, and if they don't like it, they're not worth your time. Yeah. Like, so yeah, that was. But yeah, cat person. There was a Twitter. Yeah. Did you see that? No. Okay. So once. And I, I have do. divided the world now into cat person guys and non-cat person guys. So, oh, and when yeah. you guys talk to me, I'm like, oh, oh cat person. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, the type of guy I liked in college. Oh, my God. <laughs> the mouth, the picture of his mouth was Ugh. like, oh. 
I want to go back in time to 18-year-old me. Because I had, I was super confident in high school. I was super confident in high school. Like, cause, and I think, and I credit that to going to an all-girl school. Yeah, where I was something you said. Yeah. I was awkward in eighth grade. And then I went to, and I was comfortable and I found myself and, you know, all that stuff. And then I went to college, and it was completely different. And it didn't have anything to do with the co-ed thing. It had to do with the fact that I didn't know anybody. Sure. Um, but I just want to go back to, like, 19-year-old me and be like, don't stop it. Yeah. Just stop it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, like, flirt with, like, the gross guy you work with at the bookstore. Like, go to parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Ew. Just... Oh, I know. <laughs> but there was a Twitter, and oh, I, it was something stores. like, Something like men reacting to cat person or cat person reactions. Yeah. I, I'll find it and we can post it and I'll send it to you. Okay. But it was just, it was like the woman who started it and only lasted for a day or two, but she's like, I have to stop. I can't, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> 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 like, oh. Everybody's done it. And she and a lot of the that doesn't make it great. I'm just saying. No, it doesn't yeah. make it great. And a lot of the takes <clears throat> were like, oh, so is this girl now saying that like he raped her and blah blah blah? And like nowhere in that story did that girl even mm. infer to that. Like I think at one point she says like, I'm not comfortable, but I'm not like I'm here. I might as well go through, or something like yeah. that. Where that line, I was like, oh, oh yeah. it's the worst. Yep. <laughs> um, I actually, this has nothing to do with sexual assault, but just an aside to moments. There's some. There's a pop song right now. I don't even know who sings it. This is how cool I am. It's the new, the rules pop song where she's like, one, don't pick up the phone. Yes. That's I was how- listening to that on, on one of my trips home from work today. Um, <laughs> I have like, it's been in the background of my car because my kids want to like, yeah. listen to pop music constantly. And I love pop music too. But um, I was listening to it like for real today, and the last rule is you're never gonna get o- if you're under him, you're never gonna get over him. I was like, don't let him in. Like you gotta like nice. Like, God, I wish I could tell my 19 year old like this. <laughs> Stop picking nice. up the phone. Stop letting him walk in your apartment. If you want it to be over, <laughs> it's just like I. <laughs> and my experiences have have what have made me who I am today. Yeah, but like I just look and I'm like. But you could still be God. great without that, yeah. <laughs> you can. Oh, you could do without that. What were you doing? I know, and I and I don't know who's. I mean, I think parents have to be way better about it, because yeah. um, I don't think school is ever going to be. No, why, it's got to be. Know, it's it's got to be parents. It's got to be parents, and I'm sure peer groups have a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot, because you don't think, I don't know, and maybe I've told this story before. I took a, <laughs> I took a class in college that was like, they, the sh- everyone called it sex, but it was like, it was a mix between like bio and soch kind of like, I don't know what kind of, it was like an outside my major core cool. credit or something. Yeah. It was in this huge lecture hall. I took it in the summer. In the first class, the professor said, Tell me something you wish you could tell the other gender. Hmm. You're in a class, like, you're anonymous in this class, basically. Like, just tell me any. And these people are raising their hands for, oh, like, the dumbest stuff. My, I don't want to watch ESPN. I want I want guys to know that I don't like Sports Center. They don't care. They know yeah, that. I they don't, don't care. And I raised my hand. <laughs> I was like, I want all guys to know where a clitoris is and what you need to do to it. 
that's what I want. And my professor was like, yes, this is what, does anyone else have one like that? And like everyone was staring at me like I was the worst person ever. And I was like, how many, like, can we ask how many people in this room know where their own clitoris is if you're a woman? Like, I would have been like, I want um, all the guys in the science classes to know that, no, we women don't like it when you copy from us because you just think you can show up. <laughs> yeah. I just, and the one article I will mention, um, because I normally don't necessarily align with things she writes, so when I do, I feel the need to call it out. Um, but Lindy, Re- Lindy West wrote something that, wrote an article, and the headline is something like, we we warned you, or we told you, like, and it goes through the history of, I don't want to say theory of affirmative consent, but when it started to be discussed in, like, feminist circles, like, the 70s, the 80s. Explain, and, explain it just in case someone doesn't so, know. So, so... Yes means yes is it's affirmative consent. So there's no assumption of consent. You need the affirmative consent to mean that someone consents. It's not just I'm going to start kissing you or I'm going to start touching you. And if you don't say anything, we're good. It's the is this okay? Can I kiss you? Can I kiss you? Like that sort of thing. Like that's affirmative consent. Assuming the person says yes. Um, But that's, that's the... Or I always call it active consent, but I think the terminology is affirmative consent. And she goes through the history, like all these pieces where where it's talked about and talked about and talked about. And she didn't make a judgment call on the Aziz Ansari thing. She didn't. She didn't. I I think she called him out. But the end of the article was just like, we've warned you. Yeah. Like, and so essentially saying like, here are all the things, like pleading ignorance isn't good enough. Yeah. And I agree it's not good enough. I still don't think you should go to jail, but but that, like, it's not good enough because here are all the pieces that you missed where you weren't listening when we were telling you and telling you and telling you. Yeah. And just because you're not Harvey Weinstein or Matt Lauer, um, which People Magazine comes out tomorrow where Ann Curry gets interviewed, so <gasps> oh, jumping on that one. I love Ann Curry. But, um, you know, just because you're not Harvey Weinstein doesn't mean you're not some sort of sexual deviant deviant yeah. assaulter like you yeah. know there are levels of assault yeah and what this girl went through can be considered a, a level of assault yeah um once you get like the, it, but it, but Matt like if you were talking to a girlfriend about this guy like say it's not Aziz Ansari mm-hmm. it's a guy you went out with mm-hmm. and I say hey, do you mind if I go out with, you went on two dates with this guy, like, but we've been talking, do you mind if I go mm-hmm. out with him? Wouldn't you just set, like, if it were me, I would be like, just like, he's kind of handsy yeah. and creepy. Yeah, or on right? a personal whisper network. Yes. Yes. Like, I would never be like, well, here's what happened. Yeah. Be and like, she actually I- described it really well in the story. That was actually one of my favorite parts, and I was sad that it was so short. She was like, he acted like an entitled, horny 18-year-old. Yeah. And that's like that's what it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. And it, it Yeah. Yeah. I I But that but it would be like that. It wouldn't be like outright. I think this guy went too far with me. I think this guy it would be like he's a little creepy and he's his hands are really he everywhere. He's super fast. He's aggressive. Yeah, he's aggressive. Like you just you have to be you have to be clear. Yeah. Like Yeah. So it, but even as a woman, I mean, I guess you like it's a bad example because we're good friends. But like, if you were like an acquaintance, 
I don't know if I, even as a woman, I need more balls to feel comfortable saying, hey. Oh, I would. This dude was really, maybe now yeah. at this age, but like when I was 18 to 20. No, I would have then. I would have then because I, I, again, and I don't know if this is a woman thing or a Catholic thing or how I was raised thing. Um, I would want to protect someone else before I protected myself. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so, wonderful. Yeah. I just don't know it. I don't know if I would have done that. Like, I don't know if I could honestly say yeah. that I would have. I mean, I think I would have said creepy, handsy. I would have said all yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think I would have been. I think I would have been like, oh, she's going to. Then what if she tells him I said that? And what if I'm exaggerating? Yeah. And what if I'm blowing this out of proportion? I can hear my own yeah. neuroses happening. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, good that you wouldn't, but I, I, I mean, good that you would tell everything. I think maybe, though, there are some people who would need a little more, like, uh, me at that age would have needed someone to be like, you should warn everybody about this. Yeah. You know? like Yeah. I would have needed that encouragement. Again, the all-female environment might yeah. have helped. Yeah. I went to all-girl camp, and I loved it so much. It's not like, I, people have such wrong misconceptions I mean it was catty and it was clicky and you know we had the clicks had names and there were warring factions sometimes but like when we went on our retreat days like we were all like font like it's yeah. you know when it came down to it like those girls would have like ripped somebody's hair out for, yeah. you know which violence isn't the answer <laughs> but it's it's a very um different scenario than yeah, no, yeah. I think, I mean, I I loved all-girl camp, and I was a tomboy, so we would have dances with the all-boys camp, mm-hmm. um, and all the girl they would let us out early from activities. They would always give us, like, some ridiculous smelly, like, dinner that night, though, before the boys came, like, bad breath dinner. Um, I, would, on purpose. I, I would wear, like, cutoffs and a sweatshirt yeah. <laughs> to the dance, and everyone else would be, like, they would have their caboodles, <laughs> like... Aww. To see the voice. You're dating yourself. <laughs> Caboodles. Caboodles. Um, but yeah, there is something about, th- those were the only days that anyone got really like into a fervor because every other day everyone was in cat was in cutoffs in the sweatshirt yeah. too. We, <laughs> we had an exchange one time. We had like five, sometimes they would send like five girls to one of the old bi- boys schools and they would send five so when that happened, it was just, like, everybody's heads out in the hallway, like, oh, what's that? Or yeah. you could, like, smell the cologne down the hallway. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Woods from Abercrombie? Um, polo Sport? Polo Sport. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not Polo Sport. Apple, did you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You could smell it down, because it was a super small school. Yeah. Like, really, really small school. So, like, you knew. And <laughs> fun times. I would go back to high school if I could. Um, anyway, so back to... The horrific world we live in, where Donald Trump is president and Mike Pence is fucking vice president. Mike Pence. <sighs> who's an evangelical, but seems to not care about spanking with Forbes magazines. He's fine with that. No, it's Trump. No, I know, but oh. Mike Pence is fine with the oh, fact he's cool that that with happens. That? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... He's not cool with transgender kids, but... I think Mike Pence is sitting in some dark office just waiting for the impeachment to come. Mother! <laughs> I think he's waiting. I think he's helping line up the evidence. I think people severely underestimate his ability to plan things. Yeah. Because he's the competent one in this administration. That's true. He, and look, his crew cut means business. <laughs> 
So anyway, <laughs> today I saw on Facebook and I was amused at where the information came from. And I'm not going to say where because I'm not going to get anybody in trouble. But if you see me in person, tell, ask me and I'll tell you. Um, the, an article came up from HHS Health and Human Services that said, today, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is pleased to announce the formation of a new Conscience and Religious Freedom Division in the HHS Office for Civil Rights. I screamed the F word at my desk at work. (laughs) Thankfully, no one is in the office today. Um, The Conscience and Religious Freedom Division has been established to restore federal enforcement of our nation's laws that protect the fundamental and unalienable rights of conscious and religious freedom. Long story short, if your doctor decides that it's against his religion to perform an abortion or prescribe birth control um, or... Treat you as a transgender patient, right? Apparently they took that out. Oh, okay. But I'm sure that'll be covered soon. Yeah. It's a slippery Um, slope for sure. Yeah. um, The OCR director, Servino, said laws protecting religious freedom and conscious rights are just empty words on paper if they aren't enforced. No one should be forced to choose between helping sick people and living by one's deepest moral or religious convictions. And the new division will help guarantee that victims of unlawful discrimination find justice. So two thoughts or one question and a thought. Did everybody else read a different Bible than I did? <laughs> because I've had several years of religious education. <laughs> CCD class, Sunday school. Uh-huh. And then, yep. as I mentioned, four years of Catholic high school. I don't remember any... Because as Christians, and that's where this comes from, protecting Christian freedom, we're supposed to pay attention to, like, shit Jesus said. And I don't remember him ever saying like if you're morally opposed don't save that dude's life like so that's my question is there another bible that i just wasn't aware of right my statement is i'm about to join the satanic temple Mm. because they're the ones who um and i looked it up before i said that so no one like loses their mind but they're the ones that fight all of this stuff because they say like abortion's a sacrament like yeah or gay marriage is a sacrament like all this stuff like are 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 you kidding me yeah and i and i <laughs> and every time as the as the jewish one here every time doesn't say that in your bible either no it doesn't <laughs> but like but gay marriage think things that the christian right picks out of the old testament yeah um even though I kind of thought New Testament was really, anyway, things that they pick out of the Old Testament. You know, Jews believe that religion is rabbinic. So you rely on the rabbis. Rav, the Hebrew word Rav means teacher. Mm -hmm. So you rely on the teachers of your religion, the most educated, to interpret what's written there. Not everything is there. And you rely on them to interpret and to understand that things were the best wisdom of whatever thousands of years ago they were written and that we have new information here. And so, like, that's the thing, too, is that, like, you can't go back to the Old Testament and be like, well, we're going to read this word for word and follow it word for word because the people whose Bible that is don't 
think that way. As Lewis Black says, it's not your book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, Mike, like, Mr. Pence, do you eat shellfish? Right. Do you eat bacon? Right. Do There's you... definitely crab at Mar-a-Lago. Do you have, yeah. <laughs> do you have a cheeseburger? <laughs> like, yeah. do you wear... Two different kinds of cloth po- together. Polyester cotton fiber. When you have your vegetable garden, do yeah. you care about what's grown next to what? Yeah, like, like, yeah. I, I don't... This is the part that made me really upset. Um, Acting HHS Secretary Hargan said, President Trump promised the American people that his administration would vigorously uphold the rights of conscious and religious freedom. That promise is being kept today. The Founding Fathers knew that a nation that respects conscious rights is more diverse and more free, and OCR's new division will help make that vision a reality. Okay, first of all, fucktards. Yeah. The Founding Fathers were agnostic. Yeah. They went to church because that's what you did. Yeah. Because if you didn't, you were a pariah and burned at the stake. Yeah. Shout out to Sally Osborne. Yeah. Or Sarah Osborne. Sarah Osborne. Sarah yeah. Osborne. They, they, the word God doesn't appear yeah. in the Constitution. It says, like, creator or something. And why do these assholes only care about the founding fathers when it comes to this? You don't fucking give a shit about freedom of expression. Like, the press. Oh. Give a, like, all, this is what we, we take from it? Like... Freedom of like, religion if you're a Christian white person who was born here and whose parents were born here. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure. Like, I mean, Thomas Jefferson was kind of a dick, but I'm pretty sure he's like, not what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> not, right. not what I meant at all. Uh, so, yeah. I don't. This just came out today. I don't know what. If there's any action for us. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, here, I don't think it would be a. I don't think it would be a thing because there's there are so many doctors yeah but like you picture someone who lit and this is why i'm a big government democrat <laughs> because there are people who don't live in montgomery i county, like rules yeah and there are women who don't live in montgomery county maryland in places where there might only be one ob for many 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 miles or one pharmacist or what right yeah. and if that ob or pharmacist or not even pharmacists, like the person dispensing at the pharmacy. Yeah, that's true. Won't hand it to the you. The person with the counter, Like, who won't yeah. sell it to you. Like, that's... It's egregious. It's like, who and doctors are... take an oath to do, do no, no harm. harm. Do no harm. Like, we, I was texting with a friend of mine who, um, she's, she's a registered Republican, did not vote for the administration, is horrified at what's happening. Um... And she's like, what, when was this a problem? Like, why, like, what doctor is being forced to do this? Why is this? And, and you can't force a doctor to save someone's life. Like, that's what they're supposed to do. So right. what problem was this solving? Right. And I was like, Mike Pence hadn't had an erection in a while. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Like, I'm not sure. When you go, right, the history, we know, I, I'm not the one out of the three of us, but... My dad was born on Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Um, right when when Abraham Lincoln was killed and John Wilkes Booth fled and he needed his bone set, Dr. and Samuel Mudd, Mudd mm-hmm. set his bone because he had to, yeah. because he was a doctor. <laughs> and that is what a doctor does. And P.S., why I could never be a doctor. <laughs> Because I would love to do harm. No, you know what? <laughs> You're just going to limp away with that bone sticking out of your yeah. leg. Sorry. Enjoy. <laughs> um, but Samuel Mudd chose to be a doctor. 
And the reason that he chose to be a doctor was because he wanted to help people. And the reason that he was a good doctor is because he took that responsibility seriously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that was epic proportions involving the assassination of a president at a vital time in American history. And he he said, he's the reason or I don't know if this is true. Yeah. Your name is mine. Yeah. That's my what what. My fourth grade teacher used to go us like history blurbs every yeah. day, and she she said that that that's the reason why people say your name is Mud, yeah. because this doctor did his job, yeah. and it's like, sorry, yeah. Um, so no, yeah. I just think that's that. I mean, I don't know. Pivotal moment in American history, and he remembered his Hippocratic oath. Yeah, yeah. I I don't. I I just the idea that a doctor. A woman in an emergency situation can come into an ER and well, need and need a DNC, and the doctor could be like, "No, that's against my religion." She could be going septic. Yeah, would kill her. Yeah, like that. Like there's, and I don't know how much people know about this. Like when, because I I've heard people say that's an abortion could never save a woman's life. What are you saying? Like first of all, taking mental health out of yeah, it. Yeah, like really. like let's take that out of it because that's a whole complicated thing where I'm not even gonna touch it. But you could be pregnant. You could be two months pregnant. Uh, not two months. In your second trimester, the fetus could essentially be dead inside you, and you could go septic. Septic is a blood infection. It kills people every damn day, no matter yeah. what age you are. Yeah. And by a doctor refusing to do that DNC or to take the fetus out of you, that refusal could kill you. Yeah. Like, that's not a, maybe we'll just, like... That's, that's the, that's what happens. Yeah. So, and these aren't, we don't have the best maternal more, um, maternal health in this country. Right. At all. Like, I don't even know what number we are now. It's sad, whatever number it is. For for a quote unquote developed country. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't know what we can do. It's worth to ask, it's worth asking our elected officials um if there's anything we can do yeah um so maybe i can you said van hollen was now answering the phone yep oh so and he and he's in the whip count as i mean by the time this comes out we'll know yeah but he is in the whip count as i would rather shut down the government than not have clean dreamers good for you chris yeah thank goodness good for you chris um Okay. And and on the topic of abortion, um, this will already have happened when the pod comes out, but yeah. National Now will, um, tomorrow is going to be right. downtown um, at noon. Um, they're going to uh, be in front of the Supreme Court, and um, they're going to be a peaceful counterpresence um, to the March for Life. It's the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. 122. Uh-huh. Um, so, and I, I'm, I'll just read you... Um, the press release. Um, Imagine what it would be like if Roe v. Wade had never happened, said Tony Van Pelt, president of the National Organization for Women. Imagine a return to back alley abortions. Imagine low-income young women forced to travel hundreds of miles across multiple states to find a state where abortion remains legal. Imagine a a meteoric rise in maternal and infant mortality rates. The nightmare is the fondest dream of anti-choice extremists who want to repeal Roe v. Wade. They're using today's row anniversary to double down on overturning the law of the land. 
Um, the protest is going to be supported by NOW and the Feminist Majority Foundation, um, Lady Parts Justice, and Allies. Um, and it's true that it uh, this would not, overturning Roe v. Wade would not make wealthy, particularly white women, any less likely to have an abortion. They would be able to go somewhere else to have an abortion. Um, and it, it would make it very dangerous for people who couldn't afford to go somewhere else to have an abortion. And it's something also to note. In Maryland, we have, I always call it a backdoor law, and I don't think that's what it is. But in Maryland, we have a law um, where if Roe v. Wade somehow gets overturned, abortion is automatically legal in the state of Maryland. So we have that. And there are several states that have that. Uh, I think it comes from the states who, the states where abortion was legal before, and some passed it after, just in, just in case. Like, yeah. just so... That's another way that we're privileged in Maryland where we wouldn't necessarily have to worry about that, but yeah. it's still like it shouldn't be a, well, it's not our problem. Right. You know, like this is this is women's right. There's everywhere. a there's a young woman in Tennessee or Mississippi or Kentucky. Some of these places yeah. with these laws, yeah. Yeah. No, the <clears throat> every yeah. January twenty second is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Every year those crazies. Yeah. So it's a busy weekend. Um, cause they, there's also, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the women's March. Um, and they are gathering it's Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saturday. So it's exactly a year from the inauguration. Woohoo. Um, <laughs> it's been a long year. It's been a long year. <laughs> a long year. Although I do feel more like I live in the world now than I did at the beginning. Like, right after the inauguration, I just felt like I was in some suspended animation. Like, I was doing stuff, but I was, like, Scooby-Doo running in the air. I listened to Hamilton a lot. Yeah. That's what got me through. Now I feel like I'm alive. (laughs) Yeah. In a weird Handmaid's Tale. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... So there are going to be anniversary women's marches, and by the time you know this this comes out, it will be after the year anniversary. But and I don't I don't think either of us are going downtown. Um, I yeah, and even if I didn't have previous plans, I don't know that I would be going. But there seems to be some sort of fraction. Is that the right word? division yeah so there are like two camps well first of all i was kind of confused as to why like i don't think the actual women's march is planning a march in dc even though they're like it's like march to the polls like they're basing themselves in las vegas and there's like a sub march in dc but i don't know that it's going to be anywhere as big as it was no last year like i don't know you know, I don't have friends calling me being like, let's go. Um, but there's this article that you sent me in the New York Times. I started reading the comments and I stopped. Um, <laughs> My dad sent me the article and he was trying to convince me to read stopped. the comments and I did not. Um, stopped. <laughs> but it it's interesting because it kind of talks about how you have like the Women's March organizers who were all about, and I felt this way for more than a year, all about the show. 
all about the numbers, but like I never particularly felt they were really good at the action. Mm-hmm. So like there's there's them and they are good at the numbers and they're good at the show. Like they're good at big demonstrative events. Yes. Mm-hmm. And but then there are these other groups and this article talks about a lot of women in the south who organize the marches in their hometowns and they're energized and they're running for office or they're supporting candidates for office cuz they're, they're like blue in the middle of bright red Alabama like tiny yeah little blue dots yeah yeah and they're doing all this gra- yeah mobile alabama they're doing all this groundwork and they were kind of cut off and it's really really sad well and they one of the um was it march on was yes. That the other one? Yeah. Yes. So um, what some of the women were saying was, like, look, we don't live in places where it's easy for us to get a network of women who all agree with yeah. us to go march. Yeah. And March On had these toolkits yeah. that were really thoughtfully built, that were really helpful, that we could really use to organize, especially people. Like, I've heard this a million times. I forget what podcast I heard this on the other day that I was like, yes, that's so true. What was it? Anyway, like, organizing is a skill. Yeah. And you don't really realize that it is until you're like a tiny blue dot in the middle of a red state. Until you're like, I want to do something. (laughs) I don't know how to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And funny enough, jumping up and down and saying, I want to do something isn't really enough. Yeah, it's not enough. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like... But they gave the grassroots people the tools they needed. Yeah. The other thing that I think this article talks about is how... I'm a coastal elite. Uh, uh, my gripes or upbringing are not the same as someone who grew up in Oklahoma. Right. I am a different Democrat than someone who lives in Oklahoma. And um, I accept that. Yeah. Into, I accept that into my heart. And some of what these women were saying that were that the women's march, women, are, they're all New York City based. Mm-hmm. Um, or East Coast based, big city based, and they don't really speak the same language. Mm-hmm. So some of the messages that are coming from the top aren't going to resonate with their people. And they were trying to find messages, and I think they're finding messages that rem- resonate with like their little blue dot in a huge sea of red. Yeah. And I mean, kudos to these women. Yeah. It's it's fantastic, but it's also kind of sad that there's like a. Like, a disassociation. Like, yeah. they were told you can't use the logo and you can't do this. Like, make it... Have everybody under the umbrella. Like, if they're helping, like, I just don't don't like the, the, the splitting. We shouldn't be fighting amongst ourselves. Or excluding people. Right. Right. I agree. And I think that sometimes, because coastal elite women like we are, are the loudest... But I think sometimes white women who want to organize are seen as like, look, you had your chance. And and to an extent, I, I see their point. I really do. But some of these women, women from Mississippi, for example, yeah. they have lived a life that has almost nothing in common with you and I. That Not just like, I mean, I know you just said that basically, but like, no, I, that is correct. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good way to put it. Almost yes. nothing in common, yeah, income wise, expectations wise, educationally, like, or how hard it was for them to get whatever education they ended up getting yep. or whatever, all the hoops they had to jump through. Yep. So I think they have a unique voice too. Yep. And um, I understand with the, the idea that it's frustrating to talk about the forgotten white man. 
I do. I'm frustrated by that, too. Yeah. And someone who the Women's March people hold up very high Bernie Sanders talks about that all the time, so whatever. But <laughs> The MGTOWs. But the but white <laughs> women from small southern towns, you know what I don't know shit about? Their life. Yeah. I really don't. No. I have no, I, I have no, I, like, I watch, like. I watch the food food network and I see like Trisha Yearwood and I see um that was her name the Pioneer Woman yeah yeah and and I'm like we drumming yeah we, I'm like I would love your life for two weeks but is like that actually what life in Oklahoma is like yeah. pretty sure it's not because yeah. her husband owns like half the land in Oklahoma yeah and she used to live in L A yeah and like yeah but been, like yeah I have no idea and it's arrogant to think that. I would be able to speak for those right. women. like Especially should... a Democrat yeah. <laughs> who's willing to speak out. Yeah. Like, wh- like we've talked about this, but, like, when we were calling these women in, in Virginia at the um, thing to, to turn Virginia blue, yeah. the phone bank, there were men who wouldn't let their wives get on the phone. Now, this is deep red Virginia. Um, but being a Democratic woman who's poor in a place like that, where your husband might not even let you get on the phone if yeah. you're not you're considering voting a different way than he like what the hell do we know about that? Texas used to be a very democratic state. Yeah, and well, and Richards, Cecile Richards' mother yeah. was the, yeah. Texas ahead. used to be Charlie Wilson's war. Yeah. Um, Julia Roberts' character was a rich democratic white woman from Texas. Like I think there are still pockets. Yeah. But they speak a very different language than we do. Yeah. And that's okay. And their Democratic Party is more their their reason for affiliating with the Democratic Party is more one of unions and yeah. more more yeah. to do with working class yep. ideals. And that not that there's anything wrong with that. We just don't have that you're exactly right. You're exactly we right. We, we don't, don't speak that language. And and this also comes to something that we were talking about earlier where like the country right now is very divided. The working poor and the lower middle class feel very shunned and very ignored. Yeah. And I love Hillary, but she didn't do a great job of making them feel like she was paying attention. Yeah. And I don't necessarily agree that Bernie did either, but some people say he did it better. Whatever. Um, but whatever. <laughs> but the country is very divided. And there needs to be something that brings us together. And by ostracizing these women, which is the word I was looking for before, yeah. that's making it worse. Yeah. Like, these are women on the ground working to elect people. Because that's how real change happens. That's what one of these women says. That's how change happens. You change who's in office. Yeah. At the local level. At the, like, so we shouldn't be ostracizing these women who are doing the actual work. Yeah. I'm putting on marches. I'm putting on conventions. It's a lot of work. I'm not taking that away from anything, but... And and maybe it'll continue to keep people energized because I think I saw on the website for the march to the polls or whatever, the idea is to keep people energized, yeah. keep them active. Which is great. That's fantastic. That's a great idea. But you also need your little subgroups. Yeah. Like, okay, you're energized. Come register for people to vote. Yeah. Come knock on doors. Come talk to us about what our plan is to get more jobs to the air. Like... Yeah. We're trained. So it's, I just, I don't like it. We all should be on the same team. Yeah, I agree. We've talked a lot today about things that are, like, not necessarily local to Maryland. We've kind of been in a, 
in a local news slump. I still hate Larry Hogan. We, we do still hate Larry Hogan. <laughs> that is still the constant. Remember 2018, the year Paul Ryan. They overrode his, his veto on the bill oh, we were talking that's about right. last the, week. The working families. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So both houses overrode the veto, yes. which great news. Great news. Thank you, Maryland General Assembly. Um, 2018, Harry Logan loses his job. Larry Hogan. Oof. Good morning. That's staying in. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm calling him Harry Logan. <laughs> so, so we, you know, things are starting to pick up um, on the local front, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, as Alyssa said, there's the, the now gathering um, at the Supreme Court tomorrow. And then this weekend, which again, this podcast will come out this weekend, but there's a forum with all the candidates running for District 6, which is currently John Delaney's seat that he's going to leave to run for the president. The d- Democratic. Democratic. Yeah. Democratic candidates. Excuse me. Um, and I am planning on attending, barring any disasters. Yeah, at, I think I will be there too. Yeah. At the event I'm going to. And I'm just trying to pull up who is going to be there. Um and it's, yeah, it's come meet the candidates for Congressional District 6. It's Andrew Duck, Nadia Hash- Hashimi, I apologize if I said that wrong, Roger Mano, Aruna Miller, and David Trone. Um, and it's, I think it's being put on by the Women's Alliance for Democracy and Justice and Diversity Matters. So at least one of us will be there, if not both of us. Um, so we hope to come back with, with some fun tidbits from that I know we're all keeping our eye on that because it's important that we keep that seat and that's a really weird dare I say gerrymandered district Mm -hmm. where oh with the Democrats gerrymandered (laughs) where someone who appeals to those of us who live in Gaithersburg or Bethesda is may not necessarily appear appeal to someone who lives in Thurmont so that's always something we should keep in mind when we're... My husband's from Walkersville. <laughs> <laughs> when, we're, when we're talking about District 6, we always need to keep that in mind. Yeah. That this probably should not be the most progressive person. We... Yeah. Well, at least they have to be smooth talking around their progressive yes. v- views. Yeah. 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 It'll be interesting to, to listen to them. Yeah. Oh, I went to um, the Human Trafficking Prevention Committee meeting uh, this week. Uh, they're going to be once every other month from noon to 1.30, um, Rockville Library. And the Commission for Women um, of Montgomery County on their website, you can find the date. All of the dates for 2018 are already in there. Um, so you can find all of those um, dates. Uh and it was really interesting. It was really heavily legislative um, in terms of Montgomery, a little bit of Montgomery County legislation, but more of the Maryland legislation and how it affects Montgomery County because Montgomery County is a little like ahead of the state on this. So as we usually are, as we usually are, except the rape kits. Yeah, who <laughs> knew? Although this is kind of interesting, but I'll talk about it next week. Um, you know, it's tricky when you have the laws already in place at the very local level because then state laws can preempt those laws oh yeah like we're yeah like um, federal versus state kind yeah of thing. yeah um so it's it's ve- it was very interesting i sat there for an hour and a half just totally taking notes and like wrapped i mean it's so so interesting um listening to everybody speak and, mm-hmm. and talk about it so i'll talk about that next week in more detail and then you're also going to a lobby day i am our um very good friend and um 
now MC now member mm-hmm. um, is now at uh, is now doing tons of work and um, has a leadership role uh, with. Moms Demand Moms, Action. Thank you. Moms Demand Action. I went to every town in my brain. <laughs> which is, they have that every town yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, Moms Demand Action. Um, and it's, you know, common sense gun laws. Um, it was started by a woman after um, Sandy Hook, a woman who was a homeschooler mom um, from nowhere near Connecticut. Um, and it's grown nationally and they lobby everywhere. So the, our local chapter will be lobbying in um on Tuesday in Annapolis um, on a domestic violence law, preventing domestic abu- known domestic abusers from obtaining firearms, um, which is part of their mission is, or their entire mission is common sense gun law. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a very common sense gun mm-hmm. law. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited. I'm gonna wear my red shirt and I'm gonna go listen a lot yeah, and and uh, hopefully have some interesting information to report, and hopefully get some good feedback from the assembly in terms of support for the bill. Yeah, and um, hopefully we can find some common ground where our chapter can help their chapter out because, you know, domestic violence is a woman's issue. Yeah. We've talked about it a lot. Yeah, and um, well, and be... every time we have one of these shootings that we hear about in the news, oh, it turns he beat out, his wife. Yep. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. Um, so yeah, that'll be, I, I look forward to hearing all about that. I'm yeah. sorry I can't come. I'm excited. I'm pumped to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then social media. Yeah. So oh, we'll so hear- up, upcoming, just quickly upcoming, um, our next chapter meeting oh, yes. is going to be on February 21st. Um, it is going to be at the Davis Library which is in Bethesda on Democracy Boulevard. Um, And just to put a little um, buzz in your ear about March, our our March meeting will be March 14th, and that will be at the Rockville Library um, in the first floor meeting room. And those are both 7.30 to 9. We'll try not to run over. We always have some snacks and good conversation, um, so we hope we'll see you guys out um, for those two. If you are a member of our chapter, and you're interested in joining our um, political action committee, our PAC, we are looking for people to join. Um, You have to be a member of the chapter. You have to um, be willing to commit to a meeting a month. Some will be by phone and some will be in person. Um, We'd like ideally to have people who would be able to every once in a while come meet with a candidate if we need a little extra help, but the important thing is the once a month. Um, meeting and what elections are we focusing on with the pack? So we're going to do county council, um, and our county council at large is going to be a big deal. Thirty three people, yeah. <laughs> um, and we're going to do state level within our district. So anybody who's running for Maryland State Assembly who is in Montgomery, whose district falls in Montgomery County. Um, we would we technically recommend those up to Maryland now, and mm-hmm. it's up to them to make the final decision. And then also um, any House of Representatives at the federal level who fall into our district, we would yeah. recommend up to the state of Maryland. Um, this is totally separate from MC now, so that's just an explainer. And if you want to join the PAC, you can get in touch with us um, at 
pack at mcmdnow.org and our pack chair will be happy to get in touch with you and set it up. Um, we won't talk about our decisions really too much until I think the endorsement process is over because we have to keep it so separate from everything else. And that's why we kind of shy away from having elected officials or people who are oh, actually I misspoke that's why we shy away from having people running for office mm-hmm. on the podcast you know we in have races we're gonna endorse. in races we're gonna endorse you know Lori Ann came on after she was elected yeah. um, but we we wanted to have Lori Ann on for a while and we we're, we're all team not not getting arrested because <laughs> we don't know what the rules are so we waited but that's why we we kind of shy away from having anyone running for office on the podcast unless there's something unrelated to their campaign that they're going to speak about. Yeah. Um, because the, we do have a pack and there is a separation between the two. Yeah. Um, so if you're a member of our chapter and you're interested, email us. If you are not a member of our chapter and you would like to become a member of our chapter, um, you can go to www.mcmd, that's MC for Montgomery County, MD for Maryland, dot org slash join, and you can join our chapter. Um, you can affiliate with our chapter. Um, you say MCMD now? Did I know? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everybody knows it's mcmdnow.org slash join. Slash join. Um, sorry. Um so you can go there to join. You can just go to our website at mcmdnow.org to find out information, to check out our calendar. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at mcmdnow. You can find us on Facebook, same handle. Um, and you can find us on Instagram, also same handle. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you. We love tweets and messages. And um, we're always looking for feedback and and, um, information and looking for people to join in big ways, but also in small ways. If you don't have much time to give, we can find something for you to do. And if you know about any other tidbits that are going on in the county, like the rape kit thing, like is there anything else we should know about and we should be asking people? Because part of the... Part of the PAC process is asking candidates questions. You know, the PAC is going to endorse people running for county council and county council at large and part of that process is is having these candidates fill out questions so is that's how i found the rape kit thing yeah you know we were we were thinking of questions so is there so let us know is there like a weird issue that we don't know about that we should be asking candidates like that would be super super helpful yeah um okay so woman of the week this week's woman of the week is shark lady eugenie clark uh, I have to say I'm biased toward Eugenie Clark because she went to college with my grandmother. <laughs> and she came to, they were both zoology majors at Hunter. They graduated together. She came to my elementary school to speak once. And I went up and told her that she knew my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> this is our second woman of the week that went to school with your grandmother. That's true. Bella Absag. Yes. yes. Oh, boy. Hunter College. All women. <laughs> all women in those days. Um, okay. So this week's woman of the week is shark lady Eugenie Clark. Eugenie was born in 1922 in New York City. Her father was American and her mother was Japanese. Eugenie was a very early swimmer. She could swim before she was two years old, and she credited her Japanese culture with her love of the sea. As a child, Eugenie visited the New York Aquarium, the one in Battery Park. That mm. was, you know, 
um, and it inspired her to imagine swimming with the fish she saw there, including the sharks. Her interest in animals never wavered, and she studied zoology at Hunter College and earned her master's and PhD from New York University. Eugenie applied to Columbia University for her postdoc, but a scientist there told her, a male scientist, if you do finish, she will probably get married and have a bunch of kids and never do anything in science after we've invested all our time and money in you. God, they're still saying that. (laughs) Despite the fact that women had no real place in the field of marine biology at the time and the rampant misogyny in the sciences in general, Eugenie went on to write an international bestseller called Lady with a Spear about her graduate research in the South Pacific. Eugenie faced further discrimination at Scripps Institute of Oceanography, where no women were allowed on overnight trips and were shut out of a trip their male colleagues took to the Galapagos Islands. Uh, After leaving Scripps, Eugenie worked at a few jobs in the Northeast before moving to Florida to work at Moat Marine Laboratory. Eugenie did groundbreaking work, including developing the first test tube babies and female fish. She was most outspoken, though, on preserving sharks, sea life, and the ocean themselves. She found that sharks were not mean, stupid animals that they have been taken for in the past, and she taught the world about why it was vital to conserve the species. Um, she was actually after Jaws when people were so afraid of sharks. She spoke out a lot and tried to educate people about sharks and how they weren't dangerous and how they were beautiful animals that we needed as part of our food chain in the, yeah. in the ecosystem in the ocean. Um, Eugenie was known for being daring. She once rode the back of a 50-foot whale shark. Uh, She was known for breaking gender barriers and for being a lifelong teacher and learner. She taught at the University of Maryland until her retirement in the early 1990s, and she was still scuba diving until she was 92 years old, only a year before she died of non-smoker's lung cancer. She had an academic paper under review when she died (laughs) at 92. Non-smoker's lung cancer or non-small snow? Non-smoking lung cancer is what they called it. Um, She had an, but she had an academic paper under review when she died at at 93. Okay. Um, (laughs) She never stopped publishing. Uh, In addition to her legacy as a conservationist, pioneer for women in the field of marine biology and brilliant scientist, Eugenie had four children and one grandchild, all of whom she took on diving adventures with her throughout her life. That's awesome. Awesome. She was so awesome. It was actually hard to sum up everything she'd done because she's written so much and published so much and... um, yeah, just like such an amazing yeah. woman, especially like nine. I mean, to be born in nineteen twenty-two yeah. and become like a world famous marine biologist. I mean, that's not. I don't think that's a friendly field to women. Women now. Yeah, you know, like that's a. That's what all of us go into. All of us bio majors go into college wanting to be a marine biologist, and then we're like, oh, you have to do what? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's cool, and I um. I have the, we'll post the links to her, um, the articles about her. Um, she had an obituary in National Geographic. <laughs> um, so pretty amazing. And then the Moat Lab where she worked and University of Maryland both did huge pieces on her life um, after. There's a lot, it's interesting. A lot of the women I know in, or a lot of the people I know in marine biology and zoology are women. <laughs> like Eugenie Clark, Diane Fossey, uh-huh. Jane Goodall. Yep. Which... They're both British, so Jane Goodall's British. Jane Goodall's British, yeah. Don't know about Diane Fossey. Yeah, I don't know either. But so we haven't done them because I don't think they're American. Uh, yeah, but, I yeah, Jane. I love Jane Goodall. But they're fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, 
Like, do they stick out to me because they're women or because they're just better than all the men? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, Probably the latter. Yeah. <laughs> so we should end on that. Women yeah. are better than men. <laughs> yes. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>